Please stand for the reading of the word. This is from Romans 12, 1 through 5. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You may be seated. Thank you, Sonia. Great job, and thank you for being here today. We are in this journey in Romans where I've been saying this, but if you haven't been here, I'll, I'll let you know what we've been doing. We did Romans. We broke it up in three parts. So we started the year doing Romans, and then we took a break, and then we did it again, and we finished in May, and then now we're picking it back up. And the first 11 chapters of Romans is a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine, and we've been kind of just going through it, talking about it, explaining all those things. And in your chair is a bookmark, and on the back of that bookmark is a web page to a landing, a resource page for Romans, where if you got questions about Romans, it's got all the other messages. And then also the, the, we do a podcast, it's called the After Church Podcast, each week with Romans. And so we go into a little bit more detail so you can get that. But anyway, that's why I so said you might want to take that with you. I don't know, and, and, and that would help you out. We want to help you as we walk through this. But here's the good news, is that the first 11 chapters are tough. They're tough, and if you've been here, you've been hanging with us, Today, we turn a corner because the first 11 chapters are theology and doctrine. Today is practicality. Today is like my wheelhouse. Not that I, I'm just telling you, like I'm not saying I'm not good at the other, but I love practical stuff. And so today I'm going to be talking about motivation. And so here's the part where you get to be part of the message today, literally. I'm going to ask you this question. What motivates you? What motivates you? Give me what? Coffee, yes. Amen, yes. You got to see when we don't have coffee, man. People get upset. They do, they do. Go ahead. What else? Families. Families. All right. Yes. In more ways than one. Even you don't want to be motivated. Yes. Food. Thank you. We thank you. Food. We just had food out there. Food is a great motivator, isn't it? Yes. God, yeah, because it's church, we've got to say God. Jesus is the answer. We know that. It's always the answer. Let's pray. Amen. We're done. Yeah, all right, great. All right, what else? Money, money. Money motivates. Now, some people said no, but it is. Money does motivate. It does. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Money is a motivator. What else? Security, success. What else? Love. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Yes. Any others? Being saved motivates you. Yep, you're right, Sid. That is a great motivator, and, and that'll be where I'll stop right there because Sid's bigger than me. So anyway, so <laughs> I wrote down some things that motivate us because the thing about motivation is uh, we have to constantly keep motivating ourselves. That 
If you think about it, there, there are some things that motivate us. Fear motivates us, and that's not always a bad thing. Pain motivates us. Past experiences motivate us, especially if they involved pain. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to do that again. I remember how that felt. Punishment motivates us. Guilt motivates us. It's a really terrible motivator, but it does motivate us. And so, like, how many of you have ever thought that you, you, you were going to go on a diet and you're going to lose some weight? You ever done that? And then you come home and your wife or, or your whoever, maybe you, there's brownies there. Well, you know, you might eat one and feel guilty, but before you know it, you're scraping the pan. You know what I'm talking about? Just this motivator that, that we have to constantly be motivating ourselves. Incentive motivates us, where we talked about money, uh, uh, promotion, recognition. Those things motivate us. But there's this great survey by Daniel Pink where I was reading about motivation where he talked about taking MIT students and, and giving them financial incentive to do these tasks. And so he divided them in two groups. He gave some a little bit of money, he gave some a medium amount of money, and he gave some a lot of money to do these tasks. And he said what he found over time is that the ones that, at the beginning, the ones that got the most money, that they were, they were very incentivized, whatever that word is, anyway, incentivized, tized, to do that. And so they're motivated to do it, but then after a while, that motivation dwined. And he thought that this is interesting. So he did that same survey, went to India, did the same survey with people who were less fortunate and did the same exact thing, same exact thing, gave some a certain amount of money, gave some more money, and then gave some an incredible amount of money, and the same thing happened. At first, they're motivated, but over time, this motivation goes down. Well, here's the thing. That happens to us a lot of times as Christ followers. That when you follow Christ, man, you're gung-ho and everything like that. You're, you, you, you know, you'll do whatever. You, you, you'll buy the T-shirts. You know, you're, you're, you're wearing it at work. You're carrying your Bible. You're serving. You're doing everything that you can't do enough. But after a while, that motivation can go down. doesn't happen to everybody. It can go down. And so Paul, when we come to chapter 12, Paul is going to give us motivation for everything. And here's the great news about chapter 12. If you only had the chapter 12, the 12th chapter of Romans... If that was all the scripture you had from now until the time you die or Jesus came back, we would all have plenty to do. It is that rich. It's like a, a shotgun blast of things that we are to be doing, but he gives us the reason why. So here it is. We are to be motivated God, by God's mercy. God's mercy should move me. It should move us. So here's the scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Now, he points back to the first 11 chapters and says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, that Paul doesn't try to leverage, hey, I'm going to tell you to do some stuff because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. I'm going to tell you to do some stuff because you've got to obey the law, the Old Testament scriptures. I'm going to tell you to do some stuff because if you want to be a good person, then that's what you do. No, he, he goes to immediately, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. He's saying because of what Christ has done for us. Two Sundays ago, I preached on just the fact that we're all sinners. There was this overview of Romans that we all sin, and the penalty for sin is death. But God didn't give us that. He had mercy on us, and he sent Jesus to go to the cross. That's why we do the Lord's Supper every week to remember Jesus went to the cross, paid the penalty for our sins. Listen, that was God's mercy. 
And so he's saying, hey, I want, to re- I want to remind you, and this ought to be a constant reminder to all of us, that, man, it is God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. He's telling us here, here's the appropriate response to God's mercy. You give all of yourself. Not 90%, not everything but your wallet, not everything but your calendar. You give all of yourself. The appropriate response, he uses the word proper. It is the proper response. That man in view of God's mercy, what God has done for us, what you have been saved from. The appropriate response is that, man, we would give ourselves to God, and in doing so, it is our act of worship. One of the things that we, we, we do here is that we sing on Sunday morning, and a lot of times we call it the Sunday morning worship service. And, and I'm not saying, I know you can cut things real thin and everything like that and get real technical. In some ways, I think we've done a disservice because we think that when we come in here for an hour, that's our act of worship. When the truth is, Paul said, no, your whole life is your act of worship because of God's mercy. He says, therefore, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you'll be changed. You you don't conform, you offer yourself, and God's going to transform you by the way you think, by changing the way you think, and then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me ask you this question, then we're going to get into it. How many of you have ever wanted to know what God's will for your life is? You ever had that question? Let me share this with you. I'm just going to be honest as I can. You're never going to know that until you offer yourself. So we, we all want to know what God's will is for our life, and then maybe we'll offer ourselves to him. He says, no, 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 no. You offer yourself first, God starts to change it, and then you'll know what God's will is for your life. So I'm just telling you that's how that works. But he's given us this reminder, this in view of God's mercy, of what he's done for us, that you and I, we're going to do some things, and we're going to do three things. And the first is this, is that we're going we're gonna to figure out that we've got this grateful purpose, that you and I have got this grateful purpose that because of God, when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, you're going to be grateful that you're still alive. But you're also going to remember that you've got this purpose because of God's mercy of what he's done, that he has some things for you and I to do, and it's good, it's not bad. And Paul's leveraging God's mercy, not you have to do it, not it's a drudgery, not if you don't do it, you're not going to be a good person. He said, no, because God's been so merciful, you've got this purpose. And here they are, three things. The first is this, that you and I will pursue the things of God. Pursue the things of God. Now, one thing about being a pastor that's really good is I get to share with you what's going on in my life. You're my counseling session. I've hurt my shoulder. I don't need help anyway. When you get older, they say that what doesn't hurt doesn't work. I've found this to be true. Well, anyway, I've hurt my shoulder, and it has affected me. It has affected me, and I used to be, I'm, I put on, no, I'm just kidding. That has nothing to do with that. I just like to eat. Anyway, so. But I've hurt my shoulder, and it's affected me. It's affected my whole body. My shoulder doesn't live in a vacuum that I hurt my shoulder, and it doesn't affect the rest of my body. As a matter of fact, it has affected my hand. Now, I'm left-handed. I've hurt my right shoulder. I'm left-handed, but I've had to use this arm more because I'm babying this thing right now, trying to figure out what's going on. Not only has it hurt my 
affected my hand. It's affected my foot. Now, my foot's nowhere near my shoulder, but it's affected my foot because I'm not carrying as much stuff. I'm making more trips. Making more, if i got to carry something, I'm like, i got to be careful. I don't want to carry that. And so I'm making more trips. Well, Paul's going to give us this example of we ought to be pursuing the things of God. And this example of the things of God is his body. It's his body, his body, the church, that when you accept Christ, when you receive God's mercy that he talked about, that you are placed in the body of Christ, that you're part of the body, and you do not exist in a vacuum. You don't exist by yourself anymore. You are part of something bigger, and what you do or don't do affects everybody, not just here at this church, but the body of Christ globally, that we are all part of the body of Christ. And so, if one part's hurting, then the other parts feel it. If one part's not doing its part, then every, every, all the other parts feel it. It's kind of like if your foot falls asleep. Your foot falls asleep, it's not working, then the other parts feel it. Paul gives that same example to us when he says that we're pursue the things of God. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Don't not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, I've never met anybody that this was their life verse. But guess what? It probably ought to be all of our life first. Everybody with me on this? Because we can get to the place that we think more of ourselves than we should. And here's how this works. When you come to Christ, you receive God's mercy. Man, you are so excited. Man, I'll do anything. I, I just, I'm so grateful to be saved. And then over time, you can start to think to yourself, you know what? I'm not that bad a person. I've cleaned myself up pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm working the program here. I'm doing good. And then you start to think, well, I'm better than the person sitting beside me. That's pretty good. The one on my right, they're messed up. And the one on my right, I know what they did last weekend. And we can start to think that, hey, I'm doing pretty good. And what happens is, when we do that, it kind of stops everything. And so Paul starts out by saying we're going to pursue the things of God. But he says in order to do that, you've got to think of yourself with the right way. This ought to be everybody's life verse. That I don't need to think more of myself than I, what I am. And then he says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we through, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You do not exist for yourself. If you're a follower of Christ, you're part of the body. And so he's going to give you some things that you and I ought to do, not because we have to, not because we're going to feel guilty, not because we're going to go to hell, but because, man, we want to because God's been so merciful to us. And so here's the list. It's not exhaustive, but I want to give it to you. He says, we have different gifts. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets at least one gift. Nobody gets all the gifts. You have a gift. Now, again, this is not all the gifts. This is just one section, but I want to go through them, thinking about how each gift affects everybody. He says, if it is prophesying then prophesy in accordance to the faith you have. The word prophesy means to preach. If your gift, if God has gifted you to preach, then he says, then preach. And then he says, if your gift is to serve, then serve. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, that's my out. I don't have to serve because I don't have the gift of serving. Oh, you need help? I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't have that gift. Let me tell you what these gifts are. Let me share something with you. The serving gift is like eating. We all have it. Some just have it more. And some enjoy it more. 
You know, there's people that are foodies. They, they love food. I don't know who those people are. I mean, you know. But we're all going to eat. He says, we're all going to serve. Jesus already set the bar that if you're one of his followers, that we're servants. He says, you're my servants. Jesus even said, hey, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so Paul says, hey, that part of what we do in view of God's mercies is that we're going to serve. But some of us have the gift of serving that, man, we are wired to serve. That we, man, When I tell you this, listen to me. We'd rather serve than read the Bible. We'd rather serve than pray. We'd rather serve than sing songs. And look, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, this is how we are. Just, man, we feel alive when we're serving. And Paul says, if that's your gift, then men serve. That's, what he's, that's the point he's trying to make. And then he says, if it is encouraging, then give encouragement. The same thing, that you may have this gift that, man, you're great at encouraging people. Then use it. A couple of months ago, one of our elders who'd been here, he was the first elder we had at South Kyle Anderson he moved to Tallahassee. I texted him this morning because I was thinking about him. He was an encouragement to me. He always encouraged me. He's a very positive person, someone I need in my life. Listen, we all need encouragement. If that's your gift, then man, encourage people. And let me share this with you. This, doesn't have, this is a side issue. It has nothing to do with the sermon. If you don't have anybody in your life who encourages you, you need to find somebody because we all need encouragement. So if your gift is encouragement, then encourage me. He said, if it's giving, then give generously. Again, he's not saying, hey, you don't have to give because you don't have to give. We're all supposed to give. We're all supposed to give. Just some of us, man, we're wired to give, and it's our gift. We love to give. We'd rather give than read the Bible. We'd rather give than serve. And so we're, that doesn't mean we're not going to do those things. It just means, man, we're alive when we do those things. And so we're going to give, and we're going to be generous. We're gonna, our goal in life is just to be as generous as we can be, looking at our resources as if God himself had given it to us, and we're going to give them out uh, very generously. And if that may be your gift, then use it. Use it for the kingdom. And then he goes on to say, if it is leading, then lead. That if your gift is leading, then lead. Whatever area that leads, wherever God's leading you, man, use your leadership gift to the fullest. And then finally, if it's showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. And here's the truth. I'm not a huge mercy guy. I'm not. I would love, you're, you're like, how can you be a pastor? I'm going to explain this to you. I'm the kind of guy that told my kids, hey, get up. You're not hurt. You're not hurt. Wipe it off. Put some dirt on it. We're going. And sometimes that was the wrong thing to do. I know sometimes it was the right thing. Sometimes it was the wrong thing. I just don't have the mercy gift. But here's how my mercy gift kicks in. I'm just going to tell you this. If the chips are down, I'll be there for you. And I can, I can tell you, i got a track record that will prove it. And this is not about me. I just want to share this with you. If the chips are down in your life, I will be there. I'll be at the hospital. I'll be at the funeral. I'll be there. I'll walk through you. you got marriage issues. you got problems. I will be there. But here's the truth. When the chips stop being down, I'm not going to be there anymore. I'm not. And that's why you need a body of people around you. Hear me on this. No one person can be there for everybody, for every problem. Is everybody you with me on this? You've got to have people around you that, man, and look, you are wired. Some of you are wired for mercy. You cry at every commercial. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you something about crying in a minute, man, because I'm going to be crying probably. You're so tender-hearted, man. Things break you. Use your gifts. Use your gifts because there's people that need it. And Paul's walking through and he's saying, in view of God's mercy, man, let's go after these things. 
And if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, there are some assessments you can take. I think they are putting the shape assessment on the webpage. Uh, I, I think that that's happening, so you can, you can look and see how you're wired. But here's what I want to tell you about spiritual gifts. I have found it best just to jump in and figure it out. That more is caught than taught. That's my opinion. It's not in the Bible. I mean, it's not a scripture. More is caught than taught, but some of you might think it is, but it's not. And so I would just say jump in there and try to figure it out. But if you need help, we'll help you. You can email me, GaryDeastridge.church, if you have any questions. But I think the, the assessment is on the webpage. But less in view of God's mercy, let's pursue the things that God are placed in the body if you're a Christ follower. The second one is this. They're going to love the people of God. And I'm going to read you the scripture, and then I totally shanghaied my sermon today, first service, so I'm going to do that for you as well. Um, the scripture talks about that first we're going to pursue the things of God, and then we're going to love the people of God. And here's the scripture. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And he gives us this, this thing that we're supposed to love people. That Jesus said, the world will know you're my followers by the way you love. And so today is Cameron and Krista's last Sunday here. And so I want to spend some time loving on them. And you get to be part of it. So I'm going to ask them to come on the stage. And if you don't know Cameron and Krista, yeah, you can clap for them first. They're leaving to go be part of a church plant somewhere. We're not sure. They think maybe up north, maybe Canada, not sure. And when we did this first service, I was very emotional. I'm going to try not to be, but anyway. I love these guys. I didn't say this first service, but when Jeff Hay, who was our worship leader, when he passed away of cancer, I wondered who we would get to take his place. Because everybody loved Jeff. Jeff was a great guy. And Cameron and Krista came, and they have done a phenomenal job. Humble leaders here. And I told first service, and I'll tell you guys again, I love you guys. I've appreciated, I think it's been five years, every part of it. You guys have been awesome. You've done everything well. And I say this, they can lead people who are older than them, younger than them. They can lead people who don't have any faith. They can lead people who have great faith, and people will follow because they love Jesus Christ. So humble, too, so humble. And when I think about, if you wonder about how this ties in, when I think about this, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love the people of God, and so we're going to love on them today. And we gave Cam a gift. Do we have the gift? Is it in your office? Okay. <laughs> Cam's kind of nerdy. He likes swords. So, and we've got this uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, go ahead. We... So Cam collects swords, and uh, we did this Lord of the Rings uh, thing out there, and we had food because you know, he likes that nerdy stuff. He's a worship leader. And so anyway, that was from the staff. Um, but going forward, when they figure out where the Lord's leading them and 
they plant this church, we, we will talk to them about partnering with them financially and maybe even going up there and, and, and serving and doing some stuff, whatever, because we want to be part of their lives because they're always going to be part of our lives. I'm going to tell you something about East Ridge. Um, we don't put our names on stuff. There's no names on any signs. Scott never had his name on a sign. There's no names on any letterhead or anything like that. We're not about names here. I want you to hear this. But their hands and fingerprints will be on here, on this campus, on the other campus, and on our lives for a long time. And I'm super grateful for them. And so, Scott, you mind coming up here and, and praying with me? I'll say the prayer so you don't have to cry. And uh, so, <laughs> we're going to pray over them. And, I, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And I asked first service to do this. And it's a little weird. And there's no way around it. It's just weird. But we're going to put our hands on them. I ask you to reach out your hand like this towards them. Just as if you were putting a hand of God on them. Because we want God's blessing on them and what they're going to do upon their family. And so, let's pray, Father. I thank you for Cameron and Krista, for Charlie and Rowan. Thank you for what they mean to us. I thank you for their work here, their service, their servant leadership. I thank you for the lives that they have touched. And Lord, I know that they're going to do this somewhere else, that you're leading them to just the right place. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon them. Pray that they would touch many lives with the gospel. That lives would be changed. That people would come to know you. That you would work in their lives in mighty ways. I pray that they would always know that we love them. And that we are with them. And we have fond memories. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you all. <laughs> Scott has been my friend and pastor since the time I've got here 20 years ago. He's a great pastor. Appreciate you being here today. And so we pursue the things of God and we love the people of God. And here's the last part. It's really hard. And if you're a follower of Christ, you, you know... You know how hard it is. And if you're not a follower of Christ, you may be thinking, well, you know, Christianity is a crutch and, and it's easy. It's for weak people and everything like that. But then we come to this last part is that we're the, to bless the enemies of God. That we pursue the things of God, the body, our place in the body. We're going to love the people of God. We're going we're to love people. We're going to get to know them. We're going we're to learn people's names. We're going to invite people to do stuff and then to. to eat and, and drink coffee and be at homes and, and just care about people and pray over people. We're going to do all those things. But then he comes to this last part and he says, in view of God's mercy, because God's been so merciful to us that, that we're going to offer mercy to those we may not like, to those who have hurt us, to those that have stabbed us in the back, to those that, that man, we, we just, if we're honest, we can't stand you know why we're going to do it? Not because if we don't do it, we're going to go to hell. We're not because if we don't do it, we're not good people. Because God's treated us that way. And we are so grateful. We have this grateful purpose. We're so grateful that that's going to extend to even people I don't like. And here's the truth. We don't like everybody, and we don't like what everybody does. You ever had anybody pull out in front of you, cut you off? Did you bless them or bless them out? You know, you know. <laughs> Most of the time, we end up blessing them out. Well, Paul gives us this charge 
And here we go. Bless those who persecute you. Now think about when they wrote it. Persecution was going on. They were killing Christians. He says, you bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, or willing, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then he makes this great statement, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That when we're to pursue peace, and he just doesn't say it just for ourselves. He says, do not take revenge is what we want to do in our flesh, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. And then he says this, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, You'll heap burning coals on his head which because they're going to be thinking, man, I don't want him to do that. I know what I've done. They're being nice to me. And he calls us to live in such a way that you and I would bless our enemies because the Scripture says that we were God's enemies. That he didn't wait for us to get our act together. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he calls us to do the same. That it's all about God's mercy. So what do you do with a message like this? Sometimes I'll say this. Pick one thing out of today. Pick one thing. Pick the one that's hardest. Pick the one that's hardest. They say in the gym, work the thing that is hardest to work. And I kind of feel like the same thing spiritually, that if you want to see your faith grow, then choose the one that's hardest. So I'll walk through this. Maybe the hardest thing for you today is to use your gifts. Maybe you've just been sitting back, you've been sitting on the sidelines, that God has gifted you. And that may be hard to do. Maybe it's because of your past. Maybe you've been burned or used and everything. Look, all I'm saying is do, not because you have to, but because God's been merciful to you. Or maybe, maybe... Yours is, is loving people that, man, you are so busy. I don't have time for anybody. I, I got this, I'm on a plan. I got a mission. I'm going this way, whatever. Maybe yours is that you're going to love people. You're going to invite somebody to lunch. You're going to have people in your home. You're going to reach out to people. You're going to get to know people. You're going to love those around you. Or maybe yours is, I've been hurt. I've been stabbed in the back. There's people that I've got a grudge against. And I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them because that's what God has done to me. He's blessed me. And I say choose the one that's hardest. And I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to close and sing. Father, we thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I pray that it never gets old. I pray that you would constantly remind us not how bad we are, but how good you are, how good you've been to us, that you've always loved us in spite of ourselves, 
and in spite of our sins. And Lord, I pray that inspires us to move. It motivates us to do. To pursue the things of you. To love the people of you and to bless our enemies. And Lord, I know if we do this, we're going to see you work in our life. So we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. You got it?